We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> you talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With US Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. US Bank credit cards are issued by US Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Honest, I would put myself in the same category as D-Wade. Now Artest is jumped over the scorer's table. Artest is in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in this league, I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast presented as always by the good folks at DraftKings.com. It is Wednesday. October 31st, it's Halloween. Uh, I don't think you're a big Halloween guy. I haven't been able to confirm that with you, but just like knowing you, I can't imagine that you're into Halloween whatsoever. Did you dress up at all this year? Are you dressing up tonight? <laughs> no, uh, that's a really good uh, it's a really good assertion by you that mm-hmm. I would not be into Halloween. Yeah, I would have bet my life on that. I am, in fact, not into Halloween at all. Uh, <laughs> probably my least favorite of the... Uh, okay. I don't know what what would you call like the big like four or five like celebrated holidays like yeah, I mean well, I, I like I like New Year's Eve a lot I'm a big New Year's Eve guy sure. I like Thanksgiving big turn uh, of the calendar guy yeah I like Fourth uh, of July's Ooh. that's a fun one sure um, you know Christmas is Christmas is fine Christmas Eve you know mm-hmm. uh, I like. Uh, like having a good time on Christmas Eve, but uh, really not into uh, <laughs> really finding not, the stockings. Yeah. Really not into Halloween. Yeah, I mean, it it feels weird to lump Halloween in with those other holidays. You know, there are not really religious connotations, I guess, with Halloween. People don't really get off work for Halloween, things like that. But in terms of the effort that goes into Halloween, it's right up there with all those because... Well, the um, 
sort of implied obligations from your friends when you're right. like in the like 18 mm -hmm. to really like I at this point I think it just might go on forever but right. like definitely you know 20s early 30s there's mm -hmm. a lot of come to my Halloween party uh like there's a lot of shaming you, too if you don't have a good enough costume you know like, I've heard for most of my life Tracy McGrady again <laughs> LeBron James again you know and like I, I feel like I go enough like I have like a, uh, a full LeBron suit you know, in terms of the jersey with the matching shorts, mm -hmm. like the, that viral photo of the guy dressed like Michael Jordan, who was playing at the park a, a couple years ago. That's basically me on Halloween, which I feel like is better than just tossing on like a Jackie Moon Flint Tropics jersey. Sure. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I'm not a big fan of dressing up. I actually did this year. Um, but I, the good thing is I had set the bar so low for so many years that by dressing up as Rex Quando from Napoleon Dynamite, like a very easy costume in the grand scheme of things. Um, but I, again, I'd set the bar so low that people were really impressed just because I had convinced them for many years. I mean, I, I would really, you know, I, it, among the top like five or six reasons to be in a uh, long-term relationship, sure. I would say not having any sort of obligation to go to Halloween parties and like partake in that is, is one of them because, yeah. you know, you go to the Halloween parties to meet girls, right? Like that's kind of yes. the the entire purpose right like if you're if you're going to a halloween party and dressing up and you're in a relationship mm -hmm. like i don't i don't know why you're even at the don't party. know why you're doing it right. um but you know since so now that i'm happily married i can really mail it in on halloween mm -hmm. and just okay. firm decline on all invitations to any sort yeah. of halloween party and it, it's really great yeah i was gonna ask you i'm glad you confirmed you are still married <laughs> great that that's still going on another week into marriage um no you're so right though and there's a, the key is especially when you're single I think you can't go too far with the costume. Like if you show up to a Halloween party, like with a really like, grotesque mask <laughs> yeah, no, or something no. and you got blood no, all over no. your clothes, like you're not getting any girls right. when you're looking no, that gross. No, like, no, you, no. You, the key is to find a yeah, medium. There's where, that sweet spot where you, right. where you tried, but your yes. face is still on display. Exactly. Your and, face yeah. is unobscured. <laughs> you don't look like a loser, but you have enough of a costume that girls can't make fun of you for not dressing up. Yeah. Uh, that's something I've really, I have yet to perfect. I was unable to do it uh, in four years of college. I, I mean, I, I don't want to be the bear of bad news, but, um, you know, maybe dressing up as NBA players isn't the ideal way to uh, impress girls at, at Halloween parties. Yeah, but... I mean, the jury's still out. I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know. I haven't gathered enough data quite yet. We'll see. Um, Slipknot is apparently dropping a new song or album. I saw that today. I don't listen to Slipknot. Can't even say that with a straight face. Yeah, right. I don't listen to Slipknot. I don't even know, like, if I could name any Slipknot songs. I just have, like, a general kind of, like, idea of what their music sounds like. To me, like this is this would be like Snoop Dogg dropping a mixtape on 420, right? Like them just coming out with an album on Halloween seems kind of like that. You're a big Slipknot guy, right? No, no, <laughs> um, nope, uh, not a big Halloween guy, not a big Slipknot guy. I think those two often go hand in hand. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, that one actually might have been more of a layup than guessing that I wasn't into Halloween. Was I don't know. I, you kind of. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you do. You know, you go to these, you kind of like this, what is it, like jam bands? Yeah, they're not a jam band. Oh, right. I know. But like, right. But I, but you're also, you're also like the biggest Jay-Z fan I know, sure. but you also listen to what, Fish? So yeah. Like, I don't even yeah. know what Fish is. I just see that like Fish yeah. logo on hats and I, shirts. This is a, a little known fact. Jay-Z uh, once performed with Fish. So on purpose? Yeah. Are they like double oh, yeah. booked a venue? Oh, yeah. No, there was a... Uh, <laughs> There was a moment where they were on the stage together. Oh, so. man. Jay More overlap fish. than you think. Yeah, sure. Uh, okay, so the Wizards. Let's start with the Wizards. Um, you've made uh, an alteration to the Sucky 7, um, a group that 
included all the bad teams basically in the East. This is something that spanned all the way back to, I think, August or September. Is it now the Sucky 8? I don't know no. how this works. Is no, someone no, no, going to graduate no. from the Sucky 7 to allow the Wizards, yes. the 1 and 6 Wizards, yes. to slide in? Yes, and we, we kind of hinted at this last week mm-hmm. where uh, there might have been a, a changing of the guard where the, the Charlotte Hornets were moving out of the Sucky 7 and the Washington Wizards were moving in. And, uh, yeah, a week later, it is official. The Wizards are firmly in the Sucky 7, uh, really kind of towards the bottom of the Sucky 7. Yeah. And the Hornets... I mean, I watched them play uh, earlier this week. You know, they're not they're not sucky. They're not great, but like when I watch them play, yeah. I see some good plays. I mean, Kemba Walker is a guy that uh, I I think I once again underrated coming into the season. Um, I mean, he's just really really good, absolute uh, middle of his prime right now. So. Uh, that's really enough. Just having Kemba Walker and then some competent players around him is really enough to kind of vault them out of the mm-hmm. sucky seven. At the end of the day, though, I think this is more about the Wizards. It is. Then you know, like I've, I think I'm not ready to declare that the Hornets are not sucky. I think that we just needed to bump somebody well, out and let me, they're the best candidate. But let me ask you this: uh, How confident are you that the top eight teams in the East are going to be the eight playoff teams? Because I'm very confident right at this now. Point. Yeah. Okay. So to refresh. Bucks, Raptors, Celtics, Pistons, Pacers, Sixers, Hornets, and Heat. Yep. Pretty confident. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it. I don't know what the solution is for Washington, but maybe we'll get into that <laughs> in a second. I mean, they were a team that I was willing to say for sure was making the playoffs going into the year, just based on what they'd done the last couple of years. Detroit looks a lot better than we expected. I mean, I, well, they're kind of they're still in the same category to me as Miami and Charlotte. Like, I think Detroit eventually falls back a little bit. I think Indiana and Philly get it together. And in some order, Detroit, Charlotte, and Miami are the six, seven, eight. Right. So the same tiers to me kind of still exist. Yes. But, but I do agree. There's now, a, we can kind of, I mean, the NBA, there's what, 75 more games for the mm-hmm. Wizards. But this has been, this isn't just, you know, you're a little bit off. You know, like with the Rockets, I'm not ready to write them off. They're one in five, but they've had injuries, they've had suspensions. This is just the Wizards looking really, really bad. They haven't even introduced Dwight Howard to this team. And like he was the guy we thought might cause these kind of issues. Like you kind of assumed they might go on a bit of a run without Dwight and then he'd right. come in and kind of mess things yes, up. He's the one who would cause this. <laughs> and now he might be the one to save them. I don't know. I mean, they're the worst rebounding team in the league, which right. isn't shocking. You know, no. I mean, they're starting Jan Mahimi at center. So that's just kind of part of the deal when you do that. But I mean, they're getting housed like night in and night out. They're not just losing games, like they're getting blown out by pretty bad teams. Uh, they allowed 144 to Golden State. They're not a bad team, but that's a lot of points. They got beat by Sacramento. They got beat by 32 points by the Clippers. They lost by 12 to Memphis last night. Memphis is not very good. Um, yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't, I don't really see how they, how they. I don't see them basically going on a run where we look back and say, "Wow, I can't believe they got off at this slow start." Like their only win is in overtime against Portland, which is a quality win. But given what's happened since then, you know. You kind of wipe that out. Yeah. I I mean, I was kind of, you know, I, I feel like I was the low man on John Wall coming into the year. And, I mean, he has really, really uh, vaulted, you know, past where I even thought he would be in terms of just a, a total negative for them. Um, and he's – and the, so the problems with this team are that Bradley Beal and John Wall don't like each other, obviously. Uh I mean, Beal's really pretty good, but he's the only guy that they could get something for in a trade. I, I mean, they could maybe get – I mean, could you get just like 
like a late second or late first round pick for Otto Porter in a trade. Like I, I don't know. I mean, I mean the thing with him is you got to match all that money, right? So, so I mean, John Wall's being Otto Porter. John Wall's untradeable right now. I think yes. even even like teams like the Suns, where it's just like, oh, they don't have a point guard. Like he's. A I don't even Griffin think category. they're dumb enough to like take on his salary mm. because it doesn't even if fully would, though. kick in until next year, right? Uh, I think they're dumb enough. <laughs> just for the okay. record, I think okay. they, I'd you like think, to get that on the record. So you think the Suns are dumb enough yeah, to trade yeah. for John Wall? The okay. Suns are dumb enough to trade for John Wall. Well, yeah, I mean, it, is it like Blake last year, where if you're doing it, it, it ends up looking more like a salary dump, even though you're the one giving up the star player? I mean, it would look more like a salary dump, but I, I was not as low on Blake's contract at the time of that trade as I am on Wall's contract right now, and it wasn't as bad. I mean, it wasn't as long and as expensive mm. yeah and, blake wasn't the supermax wall and, was a supermax and blake at least like you know i mean blake has his like shortcomings a lot of them are health related but at least you could sort of see him fitting in even as just sort of like a third guy on a team mm-hmm. like eventually like you know three four years down the road like john wall when he's not good point guard john wall like isn't anything he he can't mm-hmm. play off the ball really at all he can't shoot so uh he's I, not interested in switching up his style of play either i mean how could he even switch right. it up like <laughs> well I, really I think it goes with way. the mindset too like part of the reason that they're having all these issues is like john wall's not playing well and he i would assume he's probably not recognizing that he's not playing well you know i like, think I mean, that like everyone's just pissed teammates. off like right. everyone yeah. on the team is pissed off and thinks that for whatever reason They've worked out in their head that it's not their fault. It's this person's fault, this person's right. fault. Like So it's not – like John Wall's not sitting there like, man, I really need to step it up. Otherwise, this season's exactly. not going to turn around. Like, like, Austin Rivers really needs to step it <laughs> yeah, up or like, we're not going to go anywhere. Um, Jan Mahini keeps doing stupid stuff, yep. man. Like, what's up with that? Yep. Uh, I mean, would you trade Brad Beal now and get what you get? Like, Because I think a lot of te- – like Chris Middleton's going to get borderline maxed out. I think he'll get maxed like out. He, yeah. yeah. So if, if Chris Middleton's going to get maxed out, uh, and there's going to be six or seven teams that want to max him out, and only one team will have that honor, uh, you would think that Bradley Beal on his current salary could get you a really nice haul. Oh yeah, he's uh, by far the most attractive trade asset. Like Bradley Beal is significantly more attractive to me in a trade than Jimmy Butler, based mm. on the contracts and everything like yes. that, and just how the two players are going to age. Uh, I almost think that you you kind of have to just sort of admit that you screwed up. I don't think that they will just because the there's just that's a big thing to admit when you the contract hasn't even like kicked the in contract yet. the John Wall contract <laughs> hasn't even kicked in and you almost need to admit that this team needs to be uh, yeah. blown up. But uh, it's I I still think you could move Otto you could get Otto Porter off the books and at worst I think you'd only have to take back like some bad yeah. current season money. I, I don't see you having to really take back no. uh, bad stuff in an auto porter trade. So I think you could trade Brad Beal, get legitimate assets. You could trade auto porter. Maybe you get, maybe it's a second rounder. Maybe it's like a heavily protected first, something like that. Um, I mean, teams around the league would like auto porter. Right? The yeah. contract's not great, but you know, players like him are, are still right. pretty tough to find. And I think there's a good case that you get him out of this toxic situation Maybe you can unlock a, another level with a player like him, but mm-hmm. I, I would I would go that route and just accept the fact that you really screwed up with John Wall. Um, it's going to be tough for you to be good anytime soon, but you know at least get stuff while while you can for a guy like Brad Beal. But 
uh, that's definitely not going to happen uh, for obvious reasons. So uh, I, I think they're just going to cruise to like 32, 34 wins at this point. And I think Scott Brooks is yeah. probably going to get fired well, within the next two weeks. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you could say like they'll cruise to winning games in the 30s, but you know, it's not it, cruise isn't the right word to me. Like something, there's going <laughs> to be collateral cruises damage. Are, cruises are yeah, very like, poor. You're going to run off the road at some point, whether that means <laughs> they're going to bump, they're going to bump up and down along yeah, a, a road a, yeah, that really needs to be paved bump. over. <laughs> Scott Brooks is going to fly out of the sunroof. No, something. I mean. This team was already volatile. Like even when they were doing well, they seemed to hate each other, and it's obviously just exacerbated. But we'll see. I mean, once Dwight's back, future Hall of Famer, multi-time Defensive Player of the Year, multi-time All Star. Um, you know, we'll see. I mean, you know, you know how I feel about Dwight, so I'm, I'm willing to reserve judgment. <laughs> but you talk about Brad Beal. Like I, it goes without saying, he's by far the most tradable player on this team, given his age. He has two years left on his deal. He's not on a cheap deal. For his credit, I mean, he's on a five-year, $127 million deal. But by, like, current NBA money, it's actually under market value. Well, it's exactly the type of deal you want to trade for because he has has two more guaranteed years after this. So you're not trading for a guy who's going to walk this summer. You're not trading for a guy who's even going to walk next summer. Right. Worst-case scenario, you lose the guy in two years. And at that point, you might have to pay him the Supermax, which you might not want to do anyway because he'll be going into his age 28 season. I think every – I honestly think – literally every single team in the NBA would make yeah. a legitimate offer on Bradley Beal if he was available. I think the Lakers would be in. I think oh, the yeah. Celtics would be in. I think the Sixers would be in. Um, just, I mean, the Warriors probably are would not yeah. be in, but like every other team besides the Warriors... Which is insane. But is making a offer that they're, like they're trying to mm-hmm. juice it up. Like they're like, what else can we throw in that might get them to like take right. our phone call? Like... Uh, I mean that he would be a a high high demand. Like there would be more demand for him, obviously, than like Kawhi Leonard even, just mm-hmm. based on the the situation. Um, I mean, really, would I'm trying to think of the most recent guy to get moved that would have had this much uh, trade demand at the time of the trade. Yeah. It's it's tough because usually it's a guy. Usually the team waits too long, and the Wizards are still going to wait too long on this. So it's we're not going to get there. Yeah, uh, it's, this it's time. Like, I mean, either, it takes but, a unique situation like this for right. a player like Beal, who's so valuable, given all the stuff we've talked about, to even become available. Like. Mm-hmm a team basically needs to implode a good team like this uh and yeah i mean like you said most of the time when a player of that caliber gets dealt they either make a demand that ends up hurting their value or their contract situation is mm-hmm. different and you know i mean brad beal and jimmy butler like jimmy butler is probably a little bit better right now but there are obviously a lot of issues there contract non-contract wise do you think that if they say they traded beal and say they traded uh porter uh, I think they're on the last year of Mahimni. Um but Oof, say that uh... just say they traded Beal and Porter and got back uh you know something like Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, like a, a protected first rounder or something like that. Yeah. And then you have John Wall, those guys, you're gonna get a nice draft pick. Um uh, or Brandon Ingram. You're gonna get like yeah, so do you think John Wall could still be a big piece of like a 46 47 48 win team if you get beal out the door and you get porter out the door and you make uh good additions uh on you know more uh or cheaper contracts yeah and you get like you get off that mahini money next year yeah he, so he has one more year after this oh, year wow which is that's tough egregious in its own right <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I mean, we've seen it, right? I mean, they have been good in recent years, and you know, they were a 43-win team last year. They were a 49-win team two years ago. Like, when Wall's healthy and at his best, like, he's a legitimate top 20, 
our borderline probably top 15 player i don't think he's ever gonna be yeah, a top 20 player well, well that's the thing i don't know if he's ever gonna get back but there. like could he be i think he could be like the 36th best player in the league and be surrounded that. by a bunch of guys that are like top 100 players and make a run yeah. at like a four seed i still think that that is maybe in play and i think that that kind of almost has to be your goal yeah. uh they're just this team with these current players the you know the personalities involved it just yeah. i think it's done i think it's kind of hit the end of yep. the road and uh if they the longer they wait on beal like right now i think they could get like a big time young asset for him okay. but if you wait till this time next year you're probably yeah. taking a lesser package and i just for sure I don't think they need to trade him imminently. Like this isn't like Jimmy Butler, where he literally becomes less valuable by the week because he's on an expiring. Like, but if you get if we get all the way to this time next year, like you said, and all of a sudden he's expiring after the next season, you're talking about a whole different conversation. So, like, I don't think they're under extreme pressure to trade Bradley Beal. But I mean, just for fun, where what would make sense for him? I mean, the Lakers, I think, are, are the obvious one. I don't. I don't know that the Celtics would be interested. I don't. I don't think you really. I mean, that'd be one way to consolidate, I guess. But like, it, it feels like their assets are maybe a little too good. Would you trade Jalen Brown and Terry Rozier in a pick for him? Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like I think you're that is probably overpaying for Brad Beal to me. I don't think it is. But you solve. I mean, you solve your like overcrowding problem inherently. I, I would do that if I was the Celtics. If I would it, do like Marcus was... Smart and Jalen Brown. Well, I mean, you're not bringing Rozier back next year. Right? True. No. No. Probably not. No. Um. I mean, Rozier and Wall would be a pretty funny fit. Uh, smart, smart. You could argue it actually be a better fit with Wall than Rozier. Oh yeah, uh, get Jimmy Butler on this team too. Why not? <laughs> um, if I, I just if you can trade because I, I think they're going to get to a point where the money for Jalen Brown. I don't think they're going to be able to sign him in restricted free agency anyways, just because of the they're going to assuming they resign Kyrie. Um, they're probably getting the Kings pick this year. Yeah, I, to me, you take Jalen Brown and Terry Rozier out, you put Brad Beal in, he's kind of the perfect um, sort of complement to those pieces, and then all of a sudden you're talking about a starting five of Kyrie, Beal, Tatum, um, Horford, and I guess Marcus Morris. Morris. Yeah, That's, yeah like, if Marcus Morris is your, your weak link by right. a pretty good margin, you're doing okay. And all those guys can shoot – like really well uh a lot of them can can guard multiple positions i mean that that would be a really really intriguing uh core and i i I honestly think danny ainge would be okay with that i think that they're kind of dealing with an issue right now where um at lunch somebody brought up the quote-unquote disease of more with regards to the warriors i don't think that that's a thing there at all but i actually almost think it is a thing with the six or the celtics and they haven't even won anything yet like i think that there's a definite you have six guys that really think that they should be mm-hmm. getting tons of shots and if you can get two of those guys out bring one guy in who you know Beal if you take him from his current situation and bring him into the Celtics with right. like Brad Stevens I honestly don't think he ca- he's gonna care yeah. about the shots especially he, this year like he's got his money like he might start caring about that when he gets closer right. to hitting the, hitting the open market but him and Tatum um, are close to are they? Yeah, they're, they're okay. both from St. Louis. He he's obviously a couple of years older, but he ESPN did a feature a while back where he like he used to drive Tatum to open gym and stuff like that. So I mean, there's there's some connection there. 
Um, Philly is interesting to me for a number of reasons. I mean, they it depends how much how much Washington likes Fultz uh, alongside Wall. Probably not very much. So I I think Beal's value is such that Fultz isn't. I I just don't think the Sixers are a good fit based on the other type of headliners you could get in a Beal package. Like, would you agree that Jalen Brown's a better headliner than Fultz? I right right this second, yes, I would say. Because I, I just don't think they would have to settle for a Fultz headline package if you're dealing Brad Beal. Like, I think you could do better than that. And I think that the Sixers, there's a pretty big gap between their top two assets and then the third best asset they would have to, to headline a deal like that. So uh, that one I don't really see as a super great fit. What about Portland with CJ McCollum and maybe Zach Collins? Like, yeah. Because I, mean, I, I love Zach Collins right now. Like, if I could. I, I think Portland loves him probably more than anyone. I mean, they drafted him. He's looked really good so far. But uh, that's a guy that I really could see being seen as like a top 50 player in the league as early as like next year. And uh, I, I would almost rather have Zach Collins headline a deal than Marco Fultz at this Which point. Crazy. It's, it's crazy. Somebody would have to told say. you that last year. Yeah, um, we don't, we're not really all that interested in the consensus <laughs> number one overall pick. But no, you're right. I mean, I think. If it comes down to it, I mean, Portland is, is we've had this conversation, it feels like, for three seasons now. They are five and two. You know, they're not saying yeah. that. It'd be, it'd be oh, one no. thing if Portland was like one and seven. But be, they, they're in a, but this is almost the perfect time for them to make a move because yeah. they don't have, like, if they're struggling, then you know you have them in a corner on any type of negotiations because they're desperate. Mm-hmm. Right now, like, they're playing from a position of power and, like, they can just say, oh, we're, we're interested, I guess, mm-hmm. at this price. Like, and, yep. And uh, I mean, Beal and McCollum have almost identical contracts too. So in and terms of working, working the money in those deals, Beal's a just lot. a ten times better fit next to Damian Lillard because yep. of just the there's not that much overlapping there. And Beal's mm-hmm. a good defender, whereas um, yeah, obviously McCollum's not. What the Blazers really need is Brad Beal to request a trade because then Washington <laughs> loses all of its leverage. Uh, and <laughs> I mean, I feel like he probably has. Yeah. I guess which which player? Years, which player on that team do you think has not requested? I think the, the whole team like came together and like collectively requested. We all like to get traded. Please, please send me to Sacramento. <laughs> uh, okay, we are brought to you by DraftKings.com. Basketball season. Uh, we're in the midst of it. We are in week three of the fantasy season, and once again, if you haven't heard, we've partnered up with DraftKings.com to bring you RotoWire six-month memberships for free. All you have to do: go to RotoWire.com/DraftKings. Sign up for a new account and make a deposit of at least $10. You'll then get six months of access to all the tools, all the sports on rotowire.com. That includes DFS lineup optimizers, other DFS tools, weekly rankings, premium articles, full season draft software, and much more. And again, that's for every single sport, not just the NBA. You get all that for $10. You can then use that money on DraftKings to win even more. I'm super excited to bring you this deal. If you can't tell, by the way, I'm reading this. If you want access right away, go to rotowire.com slash DraftKings. Just follow the instructions on that page. Again, that's rotowire.com slash DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions do apply. New DraftKings users only. See DraftKings.com for details. We should probably address Ty Lu. You and I have been pretty hard on Ty Lu. I uh, was not shocked that this happened at all. I commend Kobe Altman, actually, for for having the stones to make this decision because... It's, I mean, I feel like outside of Cleveland, everyone, like Ty Lue didn't get the respect that some would say he deserved for winning a title. Um, I, 
that title was LeBron. <laughs> that title was Kyrie. I think everybody knows that. This is not. This is very clearly not a Spo situation, where it was you know a combination of the two, and the fact that Ty Lue, you know, remains loyal to his veterans is admirable in a lot of ways. But playing J.R. Smith over Rodney Hood and playing Kyle Korver over. I hate to say it, Jordan Clarkson, like that's a wash to me. You know, like it's not like he was being asked by management to to play these guys over, you know, G Leaguers. You know, you're asked to play your younger players who you're clearly you're in a rebuilding year. Kevin Love's out for probably a month. Um I, I think it was the right move, is what I'm trying to say. Even so, though there's a lot of money involved. Uh I I forget whether it was an Adrian Wojnarowski podcast or if he was on I think he was on the low post. Zach Lowe's podcast. Uh, but he basically said, without saying it explicitly, he basically said Lou uh, was trying to get fired by how he was uh, using his rotations early in the season because he was clearly – like he was being insubordinate, right? Like he right. was being told to play certain guys by uh, management and refused to uh, deploy those players. And – I mean, I guess at that point, management just felt like it would be easiest to just fire him. But like now, he's this is a perfect situation for Ty Lue, right? Yeah, because he's, he's a martyr. He's getting paid uh, a lot of money to not coach, and he gets out of that situation. Like his his coaching sort of value, like the the juice that he can get with his next job, uh, is higher now than it would have been if they'd played out this entire season, right? right? Like, cause they, I mean, he, this team wasn't going to win like 25, 26 games. He protected his winning percentage right. too. I mean, he he's a 50 win coach for two straight years. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it certainly seems like that that's probably what happened, which isn't a great look on him, but, um, you know, I guess props for, for doing that. <laughs> um, no, from our perspective, like as an average person, like if sure. you can get to sit, you can sit at home and get $15 million like, to do nothing. Uh, like, un- unfortunately, uh, neither of us have contracts where if we perform right. poorly, we'll, uh, still be guaranteed a bunch of money after we get fired. Yeah, some money, um, not that much, money. but yeah, I mean, a good agenting by his agent and everything like yeah. that. Uh, but so now they're congrats, Tyler. Yeah. Congrats. <laughs> you did. Nice, nice job. Um, but now, I mean, they're really heavily in the mix for worst record in the NBA this season. I mean, they already well, they already were, but like, but also, like you said, though, if you just start if you start playing Chetty Osman and Larry Nance a ton of minutes, and like that probably is better for you. They, they yeah. got their first win, but they fired Ty Lue and they won a game. Uh, so the the most interesting aspect to this uh, for me is just what happens with Kevin Love, and I think. If you're not going to trade him this season, you really kind of milk this injury, right? And just, you know, use it to help you lose even more games. But I think everyone kind of agrees that the whole reason they signed him to that deal was to eventually trade him just because you, you're not trading an expiring contract where the team's worried about losing him. You're trading a guy that the team knows is going right. to be able to build around. Uh, but with this injury, like now, you know, when's he going to be healthy? When's he going to kind of because he wasn't playing well before the injury. And so you ideally would want him to play like three or four weeks and try to up his trade value a little bit and at least sort of flash uh, Minnesota Kevin Love. So do you think that he gets dealt this season? Do you think that that is a contract like – like which contract do you think you could get more back for, the Otto Porter one or the Kevin Love one? Like which is a less uh, prohibitive deal given the the value of the player? I think I get the sense that I'm lower on Kevin Love – 
than most. I mean, I I don't know. I watch most Cavs games of the last three, four years, and I mean, very rarely did I come away like blown away by Kevin Love. Like, I, I think it would be a mistake for a lot of teams to trade for Kevin Love with what four more years, basically counting this year. I think on that deal, Otto Porter has two more years after this at twenty-seven and then twenty-eight and a half. Kevin Love has, and Otto Porter is twenty-five right now. Kevin Love is thirty right now. And he is not even in the first year of his next deal. So his four-year deal kicks in next year. So you're taking on a full – if you're trading for him this year, you know whatever your prorating his contract at this season, plus four years and $120.5-ish million. Do you, I do what, not want that. I don't it, want 34-year-old Kevin Love making $29 million. Would Kevin Love's contract versus John Wall's contract be closer to you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I think would I would have John Wall. I would rank it – you would rather have John Wall? Uh, actually, I don't know. The, the money is so extreme. With I would Wall. go Porter, Love, Wall personally because I'm, I'm, yeah. I think you have to look at all three of those players as this is going to be the third best player on my team. Like Wall's making forty four million dollars guaranteed in a couple of years. That's I don't think insane. a team with John Wall as its best or even second best player can be on a contending team. I really just don't believe Depends that. Who the best and players, but yeah, the, I agree. The, the, especially just. The NBA is evolving to a point where John Wall is we, – we always talk about this with centers. Like he's kind of getting squeezed out of the current NBA where uh, everyone that handles the ball not only needs to be able to shoot, but they need to be able to shoot off the dribble in, in most cases, especially if you're mm-hmm. a, a point guard. So I, I think Wall's the worst contract of the three. I think it's the toughest one to trade. I still think – like Kevin Love and the Blake Griffin deal to me are very similar in that you get a desperate team – that could talk themselves mm-hmm. into this is a value contract. Yeah. We, we could we need this guy. We're probably not going to be able to get a guy of this caliber in free agency. Whereas Otto Porter, I think there might actually be some decent teams like that would look at him and say he maybe doesn't push us over the top, but he's a clear upgrade at a position that's tough to find in the NBA mm-hmm. where he can guard uh, two to three positions. He can shoot threes. I mean, that's at least a player that I, I think is easier to fit in than a guy that kept mm-hmm. Do you do you think Cleveland signed Love just to trade him? Like, there's been conflicting reports. Like every every like cap expert you talk to says yes, they did. But then Kevin Love himself, you know, <laughs> makes it sound like he wants to be in Cleveland for life. And I tend to believe him like that. Like he was told, um, "We're not tanking. You're going to be our guy going forward." It just seems like he wouldn't really go out of his way to to say that if that wasn't the case. Well, I think both of those things can be. I think. He could have been told that, yeah. and he could have been signed to be traded. But did he also look at this roster and think, "Yeah, we're, we can win forty-five games"? Well, that's the thing. I, I think he might. I have. think that he wanted to be on a team. First of all, there's literally no way he could have turned down that offer. Like that, that's Agreed. just better than he could have ever hoped to have done. Yep, uh, took so much risk off the table for him. So like, he's not turning that offer down. And then you get to a point where you're kind of talking yourself into it a little bit. And I think he was just sort of hoping they'd be gunning for the eight seed. And I think he could probably talk himself into that just because the past three years, they'd been like the heavy favorites to go to the finals. And no matter like how good LeBron James is, like as a guy like Kevin Love, you probably still can talk yourself into, Mm -hmm. well, he's gone, but like now I'll get the ball more and I'll be able to get us to like the seven or eight seed. Like I think that he probably, no, I think you're right. I think he probably overrated himself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to be fair, I mean, it is tough. Like, we saw whenever LeBron would miss a game the last couple of years, the Cavs would completely fall apart. So that's basically what's happening here. LeBron is just missing all 82 games, 
And I'm sure it'll take some time to get that back. But at the same time, like the Cavs roster, no matter how you slice it, with or without Kevin Love, is still bottom three, bottom five. I mean, especially with the way the Kings are looking a little feisty, a little scrappy. <laughs> Got another win last night. I mean, I think they're definitely bottom three. Uh, the Kings? <laughs> no, the, or the, Cavs. the Cavs. Well, the, Cavs, the Kings might be too, but yeah. <laughs> um, who's the next coach fired? I see you. You. I've made a I've, couple nominees. I've here. made some nominees. <laughs> um, I think it's going to be Hoiberg or Brooks. So Freddie, Fred Hoiberg with the Bulls, Scott Brooks with the Wizards. We talked about the Wizards plenty. Uh, did you? I, so Scott Brooks. Do you know what his contract was when he signed that? I think that was that was on a different Woj pod. Billion. Um, no, I know what you're talking about. Seven I remember, years. I remember kind of like recoiling when I heard the number. I, no, it was five years, thirty-five million. I want to say he's on a five-year deal. Yeah, thirty-five. Yeah. Uh, I think he's making. Okay, this only has the years on it. Yeah, five for thirty-five. So oh. if they fired him this season, they have to pay him almost thirty million bucks. I mean, I guess almost twenty-five million, around twenty-five million. A lot is of what they a lot of bucks. So they would have to eat twenty-five million to fire. Scott Brooks. The problem is, like, what's more palatable for that front office slash ownership? Fire the coach or trade Bradley Beal slash Otto Porter? So, like, it, you, this one's so weird because it doesn't feel like a coach situation. Like, he would just be the the token fire, right? Because it, Scott Brooks isn't holding this team back. Uh, I think yes and no. I think like, you know, you you. It's easy to say like he's not holding this team back. Uh, He's obviously not maximizing the talent on his roster either. Like, I think that would, it, this is a really tough team to coach based on the personalities you're dealing with. But I do think, like, the best coach in the NBA versus the worst coach of the NBA, given this roster, you're going to see a pretty big gap in the amount mm-hmm. of games you win. So I, I think we can agree Scott Brooks at best is maybe in the, the middle of that i would argue he's probably towards like the bottom third in terms of coaches in the nba uh, especially when it comes to just um mm-hmm. you know having an offense and having a defensive system and, and that type of thing so i don't know if you can get i mean i don't know which good coach would look at this job and be like oh, i'll i'll do that john calpart uh, <laughs> rick patino would probably take oh, this rick job. patino <laughs> is picketing outside <laughs> the arena right now um I mean, I'd love to see that. I think that that would just be great for everyone involved. (laughs) If Rick Pitino was the coach of the Wizards, that would be right. Yeah, I mean, you could sell kind of like a reality show type of thing. At the very worst, recoup some of that money you're paying Scott Brooks. It would be really hilarious to watch him yelling at John Wall. Um, But yeah, I mean, are are they going to pay him 25 million? I doubt it. So I think Fred Hoiberg is my pick, uh, just because they're kind of a laughing stock, like a national laughing stock. Like we. You and I knew that that defense was going to be um, insiders a, a, a complete joke this year, but it's you know you hear people freaking out about them giving up all those points to the Warriors. A, you're playing the Warriors. B, you're playing the Warriors on a, an all-time clay game. And C, look at the players on that team. Like that, that it's a laughable defensive yeah. roster. Like that, if you just if I'd asked you like the whichever quarter the Warriors score the most points in. Like over under seventy five for that game. Like I, I feel like that's a fair number to put it at. Like so, you the Warriors put up forty six in the first quarter. And for the record, this was not even the Clay game. This was yeah. the Steph game. No, Clay did that against the Bulls. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Wizards. No, I'm talking about. Oh, the, okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm sorry. No, um, 
I'm talking about like the Bulls defense and everyone just like oh. freaking out about Hoiberg <laughs> and like this Bulls defense. Like how how could they give up that I mean, many you, points? You, like your big free agent signee was the guy who blatantly <laughs> said you didn't bring me here for defense. Yeah, yeah. like Jabari Parker. You think Jabari Parker and Zach Levine care how many points yeah. the Warriors are? He's got plausible them? deniability. He said he wasn't going <laughs> to yeah. play defense, so you yeah. can't blame him. Yeah, exactly. So they knew what they were getting into. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure what Fred Hoiberg's contract looks like. I can guarantee that he's not owed as much as Scott Brooks. No. So therefore... The Bulls would never even hand out a deal like that. No. Uh, no, not at all. And, he might be paying the Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that that's another spot where I'd love to see Rick Pitino. So ideally, uh, <laughs> ideally, one of those guys gets fired and we can see Rick Pitino step in and, and show us that we're all wrong about his okay. ability to coach the NBA. All right, our new weekly segment, Patino Watch, <laughs> is brought to you by Playline.com, the fastest-growing sports gaming platform in the space where you have a chance to win a million dollars for free every single day, James. And there's over a billion dollars in prizes available just this year. It was founded by UFC champion Michael Bisping and two-time NBA All-Star and ex-Charlotte Hornet Roy Hibbert. Playline.com is fantasy sports simplified, unlike more traditional daily sites, which require you to set a complicated and tedious lineup using a salary cap. Playline picks the players for you and only requires you to predict their stat lines. How many points will LeBron score? How many rebounds will Marching Gortat pull down? How many assists will James Harden get? How many long twos will Ursan Ilyasova, who I think has given Giannis a little bit of a run for his money in the starting lineup? How many mid-range jumpers will he take? How many charges will he take? Lock in those numbers and just wait for your winnings. You don't have to worry about setting that lineup and working everything under the salary cap. Plus, for a limited time, Playline.com will be offering a 200% initial deposit bonus. That is a lot of percent. They will triple your money, and you certainly cannot beat that anywhere else. Go to Playline.com and use our promo code NBA Millionaire. That promo code, all caps, one word, NBA Millionaire. So, we we said earlier that we feel pretty good about what eight teams in the East, you know, barring catastrophic injuries, uh, are going to end up making the playoffs. Do we want? Is it too early to do like revised playoff picks? I don't. I don't really want to go into like seeding in the West, but I, I want to get. I want to get who you think the eight West playoff okay. teams are now because there's just so much uh, shakeup in terms of just the the caliber of the teams that are off to these bad starts mm-hmm. the caliber of these teams that are off to these good starts yep. um and i think that it's just it'd be i want to i just want to hear where you're at okay. on that you don't definitely don't have to see them or anything oh, but thank uh, you. i think it like the, we talked about the east i think that i think those yep. eight get in barring a yes. patino miracle in washington um but who are your eight western conference playoff teams if you could redo okay. it right now so the eight teams, that if the season ended today, after six or seven games, it would be Golden State, Denver, Portland, Memphis, San Antonio, Utah, New Orleans, uh, and Sacramento. That Kings-Warriors first round. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Uh, what a series that would Northern be. Northern California. Battle, battle. for California. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I don't think the Grizzlies and the Kings are going to make it, but I think the, those other six will. Golden State, Denver, Portland, San Antonio, Utah, New Orleans. I agree. Um, I'm still a little bit iffy uh, of, of that group. I think Portland and New Orleans are... Still my two biggest questionables. Anthony Davis has already missed a couple games. Um, More so than San Antonio? Yeah. No, I'm, I, I like San Antonio. Defensively, that's I, I will say strange. of those, of even including the Kings and the Grizzlies, the Spurs have easily the worst uh, point differential. Yeah. They've and been uncharacteristically horrific on defense. They're a bottom five defense. I think of those six, I'm most worried about them. I just, okay. I, I mean, I, I think 
look uh, DeMar DeRozan's numbers are going to look great at the end of the season. Uh, I think people were sort of wrong to fault them for taking that package, especially based on the reporting that's come out since then. But I really think they needed DeJounte Murray this year. Yep. Like I think he was just so going to be so instrumental, especially on the defensive end. And the guys behind him just it's not it's not pretty. So they'd be the team I'd pick to fall out, but I still think they're gonna make mm-hmm. it. I think I think they're probably gonna get, get the eight seed. Okay. Yeah, I mean I, I certainly have my concerns about the Spurs. And the, the thing that really, really sucks about the Jante situation is it's not it's not like okay, we'll get him back in January or we're, maybe we'll get him back before the playoffs. Like he's just out. You know, you, yeah. like this these problems on defense, these problems in the backcourt are not really fixable and no. San Antonio is not necessarily a team that I would think to make like a big splashy trade to acquire somebody. You know, like, I think they're just these are their guys. They're going to go with Brim Forbes. Did you say the Pelicans and the Blazers are the two that you're least yep. confident? In? See, like the Pelicans, if Anthony Davis had not missed any games this season, I think the Pelicans would be uh, right there with the Nuggets for mm-hmm. me in terms of teams I'm most confident in to finish uh, top three. Uh, I guess the Jazz are still kind of in that mix for me, but I, I there was a lot of confirmation bias with the Pelicans start because I was so high on them before the season. But I, I really do believe with Anthony Davis that they are mm-hmm. uh, a top five offense. So I'm, I'm confident that they get in as long as he can play like seventy games. That's still an if, but uh, yeah. Not well, worried. Drew Holiday hasn't even played that well for them. He's come around a little bit, but he got off to a really slow start. So they, I mean, they still have room to climb still have questions about the wing for them like the fact that i said to myself oh wesley johnson that's a really good pickup for them like that's not good <laughs> you know like that means you got problems on the wing um but the other two teams for me i think houston will get get things figured out i mean i i at this point i'm very much questioning whether they'll be a top two or you know maybe they're closer to this middle of the pack than we thought uh i think they get in and then it comes down to okc or the lakers and for, I've watched every Lakers game so far and have not been impressed with what I've seen from pretty much everybody on that team, including LeBron. Okay, so I, I'm with you. I think the Rockets get in. I would take the under on 50 wins for them right now. Um, oh, yeah. I know that's not controversial given that they're 1-5, and five, but we took, I think, did I talk you into their under before the season or were you... Um, I, you, you talk, I'll bring up the document. I, I, I had the under on them, not because, um, not as much because of like the obvious, like they lost Trevor Reza, they lost Mbamute, all that stuff. This was just a kind of classic, um, people talk about like letdown games when it comes to like gambling. Like this was going to be a classic letdown season to me just because they proved everything they wanted to prove last season. And, uh, you really couldn't have set unless that over under was going to be at like forty nine or forty eight. I was going to take the under no matter what. But uh, I think that this sort of slow start, it kind of there, there's not a ton of pressure, and they've got it. There's there's a lot of uh, just pride on the line at this point. I think that James Harden, once he gets healthy, uh, they'll get to, you know forty seven, forty eight wins, something like that. Probably a bottom three seed in the West at this point, given the given the rough start, but. I'm taking the Lakers to be uh, the eighth team in. Uh, I, th- I think the Lakers are going to finish with a better record than the Spurs. Uh, so at worst, I'm picking them to finish seventh. So either the Spurs or the Thunder don't make it? Uh, yeah, I, I think the Thunder are not making it. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me put it to, put, put it to you this way. Uh, if you had to rank, if you had to pick one unit out of the – Lakers offense, Thunder's offense, Lakers defense, Thunder's defense. Which do you think is the best of those four units? 
Because I think it's mm. the Lakers' offense, and I don't really think it's yeah, close. that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, I think the Lakers' defense is probably the worst, and the Lakers' offense is the best. And the I just Thunder's defense, when they have Robertson, seems to be good. I think the Thunder's offense might be... Um, like one of the like four or five worst in the Western Conference, they they should have been blown. They were getting blown out by the Clippers last night, and then went on like an eighteen zero run, and it, that game ended up looking final score wise a lot different than it actually was. Like they were in in big trouble of falling to one and five. And I think that so the problem I think for them is their offense is not good. I think it's probably bottom ten, bottom twelve in the league, but they play. They, they act like they're good. So they're like, it, it's not like they're the Grizzlies where they like sort of just slow it all down and muck it up and get these close games. Like they'll, they'll run up and down with you all day long, even though they're, they're a bad offensive yeah. team. And I think that that's just a recipe for disaster, especially when, uh, you know, if Andre Roberson doesn't miss any games this season, I think they probably get in just on the strength of that unit. But uh, I think we all just underrated how bad their offense was going to be. And, underrated how good everyone else's offenses were going to be with just this this in, in, uh, increased pace i don't see them getting in i think the lakers it's going to take them a while uh to even just sort of figure out what rotations work best uh, they're obviously not there yet but uh i think there's going to be a point in december or january where the lakers win like 10 out of 12 or something like that and everything's clicking and uh, everyone kind of knows their role so I, I think they get in it's a shame I hate that they started this way because I can't stand the like what's wrong with the Lakers like talk on you know yeah, whatever, whatever it's already show, over the but, top but uh yeah I, I think they get in okay yeah I'm looking at the Lakers schedule going forward I mean that was a bad loss to Minnesota the other night yeah. very oh, bad yeah. loss they've should have they should have beat the Spurs both times if, if you watch those games they just collapse in the end they get Dallas tonight at home. Hopefully that's a win, you would think, if you're a Lakers fan. At Portland, that goes either way. Home against Toronto, probably a loss. Home against Minnesota, at Sacramento, Atlanta, Portland, Orlando, Miami, Cleveland. So the some, next, the next I, heard a, weeks, I heard several sucky seven yes, teams. Yes, exactly. They have some opportunities here. I mean, to be fair, you know, they got off. They lost their first three games, but at Portland, Houston, and San Antonio isn't exactly the easiest start. But the flip side of that is, like, there's, like, 20-some good teams this year where – you know, it's not like yeah. Every, almost every team you play in the West is going to give you a fight. What do you think? Like, if you're Luke Walton, are there a couple of quick fixes you make to um, the lineups and the rotations that you think could really kind of make things easier on them? I mean, they, to me, the biggest issue for them is a lack of a real center. Like Javale's numbers look okay. But and, and to be he's impressed me with how well he can finish. Like I've after watching Tristan Thompson, you know, have to basically like wind up to shoot a layup all these years and like get blocked half the time. Like JaVale's ability to just like catch a pass and you know kind of reach mm-hmm. from the other side of the rim and dunk it, like that's been great. But defensively, right. he has a ton of lapses. They've really like LeBron is not rebounding as hard as he should, especially in late game situations. They just need another big man. Mo Wagner is active tonight, so maybe he's the guy. <laughs> Uh, but to, to me, like it's not as much of like a how do you fix this current roster. It's like they need they just need a better big man. Um, KCP they've already cut his minutes. You know, like the the common refrain these last couple of weeks is Josh Hart needs to play more. He's already playing like thirty two minutes a game. Right. Like you can't really play him that, that much. That was kind more. of the case right away. Like yeah. it's it, and they, it's kind of like Luke Walton knew that. Yeah, right and away. to his credit, he didn't mess around. Yeah. Like you know, I think KCP played twenty plus minutes the first few games, but since then he hasn't. So I think the. 
to me, the thing that I'm interested to see how it ends up shaking out is just what is going to be the Lonzo Ball, Rajon Rondo yes. split, and when like when are they going to be on the court together? Because I I think for this team, like the 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 highest ceiling you can imagine for this Lakers team is Lonzo Ball playing like 32 minutes a game. And I think that they're at their best when they have five shooters out there. And so that means Rondo and JaVale are off the court. And right. I think the the quicker they are to sort of embrace that as a five that they can use when they really need to put teams away or really need to, to kind of close out a mm-hmm. tight game – I think that that's going to be big for them. I think part of the reason that it's tough is that KCP's just been so bad uh, that he should be the fifth guy in that that lineup mm-hmm. along with um, along with Hart and, and Ingram. But uh, yeah, I, I think that they're going to get in just because of more so because of the Thunder's flaws to me on offense. Like I would rather have the Lakers' defensive flaws. Mm-hmm in this current NBA situation than the Thunder's yeah. offensive flaws. And even when they get Roberson back, that makes their offense even worse than it already is. So uh, it's going to be interesting. I think that the eight seed and seven seed in the West, it's just going to be fascinating. Um, do you think, like, are the Grizzlies in this conversation no. to you at all? Are the Clippers? Like, the Clippers are... The Clippers, to me, are I, I would trust more than the Grizzlies, I guess, like, to give somebody a run for the eight. They're fifth in the conference in plus-minus yeah. right now. They've um, been good. So, I mean, yeah, like, it, I'm, I'm still picking the Lakers right now. If we get, like, say, 10 days, two weeks from now, and the Lakers haven't really shown any signs, and the Clippers are still healthy, and uh, even the Grizzlies, like, if... If the Grizzlies are still healthy, like mm-hmm. uh, I might change my tune a little bit on that, but I, I'm still holding out uh, yes. a spot for the Lakers in that. But. The thing to keep in mind with the Clippers, um, they owe their pick to Boston and is lottery protected. So if it comes down to it and it's like, <laughs> do we want to go get waxed by Golden State or do we want to keep our pick? You know, like They have a little bit of motivation. Like I don't think they expected to make the playoffs this year anyway. I also think that they are a team that is going to be active. Yes. Uh, trading right i think if they just played out the year you know as is now they're they're a mid 40s mid to low 40 win team they have i don't think they're going to play for that they have those types of players like uh gallinari comes to mind where you just you get close to the trade deadline and you sell them to the highest bidder if he's healthy that's a playoff team because they have guys that could play in big playoff series who aren't a part of that long-term future i think everybody on that roster could be had except for shea and probably to some degree Tobias Harris, but like for the right offer, I think he's available. Like they've constructed their team perfectly to be to be <laughs> it's not a free so agent fit. destination is what it is. Like well, it, right. I mean, they've constructed a team that's respectable and good enough that the fans are going to complain, but is also perfectly positioned to dump salary at any time. Right. They're kind of. I think they're in the position that I think the Heat wanted to be in. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> um, but exactly. their their players are actually appealing. Yeah, they're um, actually they're better than the Heat and way cheaper. Uh, I was so just randomly I was thinking about uh, Tyler Johnson's contract. Same. Uh, um, the other day I was just like, has that? I mean, have you ever? Can you remember like a deal where the player just had such a low, low sort of national? Like there was no buzz about Tyler Johnson being like a good player, right? And then all of a sudden, it's like the Heat are giving him fifty million. I like 
I immediately went to Basketball Reference. I was like, "What did, Wait, did I miss something about it?" Was this an guy? offer like, sheet, what? right? Didn't the Nets sign him and then the Heat matched it? I thought it was. Um, I thought they signed a guy. I thought they signed a guy before him, and then quickly wanted to. Or no, maybe I have that no. backwards. So Tyler Johnson signed the offer sheet for fifty million dollars, and, and then the Heat decided to match it. The Nets get man. Yeah, so there's a story when John, John Brooks is really, uh, uh, or my Sean Marks, Sean Marks, Sean Marks is really had, uh, yeah, he's had a big part to play. And they a did lot the same of thing it. with Alan Crabb, and then ended up getting him anyway. <laughs> yeah, um, just gouging other teams. And uh, gosh, there was another one, uh, Otto Porter. He, yeah, he was he was the guy behind that too. So yeah, I think well now he can't, he can't really do that anymore. Like back then, it was just their cap sheet was such a mess. Yeah. He's like, yeah, screw it, why not? Um, but yeah, I mean, I read something the other day in the the Sun Sentinel about Tyler Johnson. It was like I think Ira Winderman did a Q and A, and he basically was like, "Yeah, once Deion Waiters comes back, there's a decent chance Tyler Johnson is just not going to be in the rotation." I don't think he should be in the current rotation. I think he should be out of the rotation with Deion Waiters out because yeah. they don't have enough. Mid- like he's worse than Wayne Ellington. He's worse. Yeah, even at this and stage, Ellington's he's worse too, than yeah. Dwayne Wade. He's worse than Rodney Magruder. He's worse than. Uh, like all right. their other guys, like he's obviously worse than Dragic. He's worse than, um, yeah. It, it's it's really just bizarre. And like, if you just take him off the books and just they never match that offer sheet, mm-hmm. I think they're in like a a pretty nice position. And if you were to take him and Hassan Whiteside off, I, even though Hassan Whiteside's had an okay start to the year, like if they're just a couple, they, a lot of those were like bad decisions. Mm-hmm. But if they just made like one or two fewer of those bad decisions, like they'd be in a pretty good spot. Their best player is Goran Dragic right now, right? Whiteside, I don't know. I mean, uh, it depends what you think about Whiteside. I think that it is Richardson. I think it's Richardson. Okay, so their best player is their Josh seventh highest paid player. Yeah. And their best long term asset to me is Bam Adebayo. He's making less than three million dollars. You're paying. Hassan Whiteside, this is just this year. You're paying Hassan Whiteside $25 million. You're paying Tyler Johnson almost $20 million. Dragic, 18 which, fine. James Johnson, almost $15 million. Kelly Olynyk over $12 million. Deion Waiters, almost $12 million. Like, the Waiters, Waiters, Johnson, Johnson, like, that's that's really tough. Yeah, the Whiteside uh, one's not even that bad because at least he's playing well. Right, like, I don't like the Dragic one. I don't like uh, the yeah. Whiteside one, but... They're at least guys that can be in yeah. rotations on pretty decent teams. Um, Tyler Johnson has a player option for next year, by the way. Not a team you think option. He's, uh, option. I think he's going to pick that up. I think he'll be picking that one up. <laughs> I think he will. Um, good luck trading that. Yeah, they. I think the Heat kind of got a pass because they've been such a good organization. Everyone, like, it was like so. I mean, this you're not going to get this analogy, or you might. You actually, you you might. Um, right, let's, let's, so, let's just try it out. Like. Whenever the and this might not even be the case anymore, although they were good last year. But like whenever the Oakland A's do something that seems like okay, I weird, know baseball. I thought this was going to be a movie uh, thing. Okay, Jesus. well, but like whenever the A's do something that like doesn't make sense, everyone just is like, "Oh man, they must." Well, I wonder what they're doing. Like they're they're up to something. It's it's probably right. smart, and we just can't figure out what they're doing. Exactly. Like that's that's the whole thing that happened with right. that Heat like string of contracts. Nobody looked for two years, and like, all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, man! Like they, what? Is, ooh, man! They must be. They must have some really right. good players in these guys. Like these guys must be good. No, like, I remember <laughs> when they when they signed Olinick, it was like. Well, they're not. They're just doing this so they can uh, get salaries together to <laughs> yeah, trade for somebody this else. Is, like, this is because no. these guys—they're good. They're, this is no. part of 
something. They've assembled like a Sacramento <laughs> Kings like cap sheet, but we just give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And maybe, you know, maybe they will turn this into something. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a pretty big mess. And they're not really playing well enough to justify it. Like their ceiling to me, like them versus the Clippers would be like an awesome four or five matchup. Um awesome in that it would be even. close and competitive. Be very not even. awesome in that I would really want to watch yeah. much of it. Yeah, I mean, if like if they were to meet in the finals, it would be super competitive. It'd be the lowest rated finals of all well, time. Well, that's that's so like you know Bill Simmons is like uh, wacky tournament that he thing that he has wonky like tournament, wonky yeah. tournament where you, like you play <laughs> yeah, to get in that. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's what we're that's what he's arguing for is he wants to see like a Clippers Heat like best of three series like to get in, which would be uh, it would take me back to the nineties. Really, I mean, there would just be a lot of uh, just kind of unsung guys, a right? Of, a lot of physical play. You'd have a situation where like. Tobias Harris is like, is he going to win the finals MVP this one? Um, okay, anything else you want to get to? I, I wanted to talk a little bit about Doncic, but we kind of covered that, I feel like, on the last pod. He had his best game to date. The How about night. just uh, which uh, 2019 draft guys you're oh, yeah, looking right. forward to seeing? Yes. Um, uh, so we have the State Farm Champions Classic, I believe it's called, which is on Tuesday. They just started airing commercials for that. Like, this really snuck up this year. I mean, there's massive matchups um i think we get kentucky and duke is the late game and then the early game i believe is michigan state kansas so i mean we're talking in kentucky duke alone you have the likely number one pick right now in rj barrett zion williamson i mean i you'll see some mocks that have zion like two three i we'll see i mean he could certainly go that high i think he could end up dropping a little bit depending on on how their season goes and then you have cam right issue i think you know, I know you're a little bit skeptical of him, but you can at least pencil him in as a high lottery pick right now. So Duke alone is bringing three guys to the table. Um, and then Kentucky, I mean, Kentucky doesn't necessarily have like that Anthony Davis, Carl Towns type of guy this year, but they're about as loaded like top to bottom as they've been probably since that season. Um, you know, PJ Washington, probably their top returning player. They bring in Reed Travis, the grad transfer from, from Stanford, um, and then Kansas, I mean, in the early game, Michigan State doesn't really have any any big-time prospects this year, but Kansas has Quentin Grimes, who, mm-hmm. if you follow recruiting, you know, big-time guard recruit, NBA body, 6'5", super athletic, um, the type of guard, you know, that every team is really looking for right now. So I'm obviously going to be keying on Duke. I think everybody will, just because this is the first time we're really going to see these guys go up against a non-Canadian scrimmage team. Um, so I, I think sort of my... Uh, the thing that I'm kind of watching early in this college season is I, I think there's a clear top three in this draft just before like we kind of get going mm-hmm. with these games. I think it's R.J. Barrett, uh, Nasir Little uh, from UNC, and and Zion Williamson. I think that is what I, I, I think that would be the top three if the draft was today. Uh, and I'm just interested to see who can kind of play their way into that mix who maybe plays their way out of that mix like I, I i really have a hard time seeing uh barrett or little playing their way out of that but i could see zion maybe getting exposed in acc yeah. play a little bit um the, there's three wings that i really like who i think like one of them if like the efficiency is just really crazy and they're, they're doing really good things on the defensive end uh romeo langford with uh, indiana um you mentioned uh, Grimes with Kansas and then um, Keldon Johnson with Kentucky. I think those are three guys who are just kind of tailor-made for the current NBA who 
Uh, I would expect one of those three, maybe even a couple of those three, to play their way into the top five this year mm-hmm. just because NBA teams are just so desperate for guys that can shoot, handle the ball, guard multiple positions. So uh, th- those are kind of the storylines I'm looking at. But, yeah, I mean, R.J. Barrett to me looks like a easy number one pick, like caliber of prospect. Like he's not a guy that's just – going to de facto go there because he's in a weak draft like i think Mm. he's a legit number one type of guy so uh really excited for that yeah rj barrett's going to be really 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 good i think this i said this to you the other day and i don't think this is really you know a take by any means like this duke team is going to be the most fun team to watch and the most popular team since the john wall kentucky team okay i yeah i I don't know who else is in there i mean like people love that wisconsin team but not for the same reasons you like that kentucky team well i mean there were a handful of great arizona teams uh in that that window um go on (laughs) i mean it's so i love it when when there's a a jones brother playing point guard at duke oh yeah didn't mention him great because uh they just aren't even trying to like do cool stuff they're just like oh here's one of my cool teammates i'll let you do something cool this time you know that i think that that's always fun he's in a perfect spot and like in the returning guys so they have that that white guy who just shoots the lights out with the floppy hair. I don't know his name off the top of my head. Like he's the perfect like fifth guy for this team. Like all he can just kind of be there. They're like poor man's Clay Thompson. Um, but yeah, the Zion. Like I think RJ Barrett's going to be fine. Like he's a clear like number one guy for this team. But like Zion versus Reddish is going to be really really interesting. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Reddish ultimately ends up getting drafted higher just because he profiles as like the more traditional NBA type of body. S- well, Reddish, I mean, I, I don't think that that's debatable, but I do think it's – I just think the the work ethic issues with him yeah. are something to watch. Like, I, he doesn't uh, seem to have to try all that hard. He doesn't seem to, like, want to try all that hard. Mm-hmm. So he, he kind of seems like a guy where you can kind of keep dreaming on the potential given the size and the tools and stuff like that. Sure. Whereas, like, Zion Williamson, I, I mean, I don't think – you're ever worried about uh, his motor or anything like that. And I actually think, I think there's a chance that he could emerge as a like clear number two, like if he has like his best case scenario type of season and just really kind of proves to be uh, a heady guy that's capable of making mm-hmm. plays on defense and might end up just being a modern day center, like kind of in a Draymond Green type of right. role where he doesn't have the prototypical height measurement that you're looking for, but he can do the things you want your center to be able to do. Uh, and I think he, he might be able to switch on to smaller guys at times. And even if a guy gets past him, his athleticism will allow him to kind of uh, yeah. get back in the play. So uh, that team, yeah, I mean, you could, I could watch Duke. Like if, if I'm flipping through the channels and Duke's not on, I'm probably not going to tune in at this point in the, in no, the college like, basketball season. something really bad would have to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, with Zion, I think you're right. Like he's going to need to show that he can pass and that he can shoot the three fairly reliably. Like he's going to have so many highlights that like, I think he's going to be a really popular player and that's going to help his stock, you know, kind of <laughs> in the same way that Buddy Heald I'm, was helped by the fact that he was so popular. I already heard a, a prominent NBA podcast, um, sort of forecasting well if this team gets the number one pick and they get zion williamson it's like yeah 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 i know that that's the only guy you've heard of from the draft but uh <laughs> <laughs> probably wouldn't be zion williamson well see to me though it's like i don't know what like the thing that would maybe keep me from taking zion like two or three is like what is his ultimate nba ceiling it's like yeah he can dunk like crazy but like is he really ever going to be like the second best player on a title team i don't know like he i think he can be a really really good role player but like how high do you justify taking someone like that well, I think he's going to be better uh, 
I think he's going to be notably better than like John Collins. Oh, for sure. So at least potential wise, yeah. I think a lot of teams would happily take a guy like John Collins, like with the fourth or fifth overall pick. Um, can he shoot well enough? I think that that's the key. It's like, are there going to be teams picking that high that believe that he can be? Mm-hmm. I mean, he really just needs to be like a thirty-three, thirty-four percent three-point shooter. The fact that the Kings don't have their pick is what worries me about him not going that high. <laughs> well, I mean, do you think he's such a perfect king? Do you think he? I could see him in our minds. I could see him looking like a better NBA prospect than we thought Marvin Bagley was before the draft. Yeah, like, well, that's the thing. It's like right. you and I wouldn't have taken Bagley too, right. but the Kings did. Um, I mean, I just I think that there's. The athleticism is just kind of intoxicating. So yes. if you talk yourself into, we think he's going to be able to shoot threes. Mm-hmm. We think he can uh, bring the ball up, kind of like Draymond Green, and like pass it to a guy in the corner, like in transition. Like if you talk yourself into all that stuff, I think he could go too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm always going to gravitate towards the guy like Nas Little that can play mm-hmm. uh, the wing and and do all the stuff that you want your wings to do. Um, but it's just there's a lot that can happen. Obviously, every year we say this, but you know, right now I think I'd I'd be pretty surprised if someone went number one overall other than R.J. Barrett. But nothing behind R.J. Barrett would really surprise me of the guys we've talked about so far. I'm just excited for North Carolina to have a big time prospect. Yeah, and I know just, been, Justin Jackson went 15 a couple years ago. Like, I mean, honestly, who's like the best North Carolina I think player? The, I think in the, the last right now? the last like big time. Um, prospect in terms of just pedigree was brandon wright or no harrison, harrison barnes. barnes harrison barnes yeah but so like, harrison barnes went seventh right. they've had two players since so since the national title team in 05 the felton may the the sean may team right. i guess so that and that year they had marvin williams who's a six man went number two right. felton went five may went later they had brandon wright go number eight in 2007 they had harrison barnes go seventh in 2013 they have not had another top 10 pick since 2005 which is crazy yeah they used to just have all these high pedigree guys that would get right. like 22 minutes a game and would go high or like harrison barnes was uh the number one player in that class according to some mm-hmm. people so like he kind of hurt his stock well i mean the fact that he came back for another year was like inconceivable going into the, his freshman yeah. year. yeah uh, we all should have seen that for the red flag that it was, but uh. <laughs> it's on us. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was a run there where it was, you know, Ellington, Danny Green, Lawson, Hansborough, Davis, Marshall, Zeller, Henson, McCants. and then McCants, exactly. <laughs> I mean, McCants is my favorite out of all those guys. I mean, you could make an argument that like after Harrison Barnes, like the current next best NBA player from North Carolina is Reggie Bullock, Danny Green, probably Danny Green. Uh, I mean, Wayne Ellington's... Wayne Ellington hasn't played yet this year. I think of him and Reggie Bullock very similarly. Yeah, Danny Green, I think, would yeah. have to be... And I think you could argue Danny Green's better than Harrison Barnes. Yeah, right, exactly. Like, <laughs> North Carolina, not a lot to show for it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Nas Little... And part of this, we should say, I mean, we're joking, but part of it is because of the academic stuff where, like, mm-hmm. Brandon Ingram, like, well, really they, wanted to go to UNC and got talked out of it because someone told him that yeah, he wasn't going to play in the They tournament. also sort of had this perfect recipe where they were getting... The, they weren't getting top like 12 recruits, yes. but they were getting these guys in the 15 to like 50 range mm-hmm. that would stay multiple years. Right. So they could, that's why they were, I mean, they well, that's were, how they won the title this yeah, last time. You have yeah. a, like, you get like Joel Berry was a top recruit, but he was never a one and done type of recruit. Yeah. So you win the title with sophomore year, Justin Jackson, junior year, Joel Berry. Yeah. You need that mix. I mean, even, even when Kentucky won it, you know, you had Davis, but mm-hmm. other than that, a lot of those guys were upperclassmen um but yeah now's a little gonna be a lot of fun and i mean really i think for the general public this draft class 
isn't as like well known as it was going into last year. You know, like everybody had at least heard of Doncic, Aiton, Bagley. Like ESPN, I remember went crazy marketing Bagley earlier in the year, and it, it doesn't really seem like they've done quite the same just yet. Uh, but yeah, Champions Classic will be a lot of fun to watch. We'll both be tuning in. You're going to Arizona tomorrow for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Have fun. Uh, look forward to recapping that next week. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.